the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand Up for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email your questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. Remember, if you're driving in your car today, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Got a special show today. More on that in just a moment. A couple of quick notes. Thank you for your prayers for our graduation last night. It went wonderfully. Um, Lots of proud moms and dads. It was a great, great evening. And tonight here at Calvary Chapel, instead of having our typical Friday night Bible study, we're going to have graduate night. It's the opportunity where the Graduates get an opportunity to thank the, the church here, the body that, that supports a free school. Uh, they got to benefit from it, so they get to share a little bit of their heart uh, with the church tonight. It was fun last night because the uh, kids, they always just surprise you. You know, the ones that you think are shy, they kind of come out. The ones that you think will be fine, they're the ones that get nervous and can't stop crying kind of thing. But it was a really, really great night. So all of that Uh, tonight here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Hey, we've got a special guest today, Pastor Bob Claycamp. I always say from Phoenix, Arizona, because I've known Bob for such a long time that um, I spent time in Phoenix. Paul and I did. I knew Bob from Phoenix, but now he's from Aurora, Colorado. There you go. There you go. I got it. See, that will not be, it'll take another three or four years before that sinks into my brain. Okay. And uh, Bob is involved with a group called Poimon Ministries. And Bob is not only a friend, but he is what I call a pastor to and for other pastors. And that takes in a lot. So let me introduce you to Pastor Bob Claycamp. His wife, Jeannie, is here in the studio with us. And Bob, thanks for coming in today. Oh, it's great to be here. We, we really had, glad to be here. We had you on the show from Houston when we were together right. a few live years ago. on location. That's yes. right, live on location. Yeah. We spare no expense here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's great to have you. Um, would you talk a little bit about Poimon, what you do, what the vision of the ministry is, and and how it's affected you. I said you were a pastor, two and four pastors. Okay. That's huge yeah. Yeah. because there's a whole bunch of us don't know what we're doing. Oh, yeah. And so well, people like you are yeah. important. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, when, when uh, we turned the church over after 29 years in North Phoenix, I turned it over to our second son. Actually, the board voted for him to take the church, and that freed my wife and I to go around and take our ministry experience and help out other pastors, uh, especially younger pastors or pastors in smaller churches. 
just to provide perspective, maybe to offer a, a fill-in because they didn't really have anyone that had been raised up to take a Sunday morning or a Bible study. Um, also, in a transition, if there was a pastor who was retiring or moving away, then uh, we would step in and just help in that whole transition process. And then uh, there were times where we were asked to be a set of fresh eyes. So a pastor had been there 15 years, 10 years, and he said, you know, I know I can develop my own kind of blind spots, just get used to everything. So be a set of fresh eyes and come in like a brand new person would and take a look around and make recommendations to the senior pastor only, not to the board or anybody, but, you know, as to the senior pastor only. Some recommendations on how to make what they're doing just a little bit more efficient, a little bit better, and um, and then you take your hands off, and it's up to the senior pastor what he wants to do, uh, you know, throw it in the trash or or do something with it. And so there's, there's um, uh, one other thing we've been helping to do is helping uh, pastors prepare for future transition. Because um, eventually, if the Lord tarries, there's going to have to be a transition um, one way or the other. Yeah, now you're looking at me like... No, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm talking to you. Yeah. Okay. I'm not being prophetic here. Yeah, yeah pathetic maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and in that, uh, that's becoming a real... Um, important need right now um, and so it, every every week there's something that is surprising and unique and fulfilling and my wife's part is so important to minister to the pastor's wife uh, to be a safe place just to 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 listen to pray with to cry with things like that um, it's been great so it's been going on 11 years and it's taken us all over the world, really. I, I remember when I first heard about Poimon, uh, thinking, thinking, well, well, that's important, but how would that ever work? And 11 years later, yeah. I've had some friends who benefited from the ministry yeah. of Poimon Ministries. Good, so good. so it's, a, it's a great thing. Fresh eyes is really important. You know, yeah. we get used to looking at things. I had a, a dear friend of mine, a pastor of a church. He's on the Calvary Chapel um, uh, senior board. But but he came in. He said, "He said, Ron, you know, your carpets are so dirty." <laughs> and, and he said, "If if you want, I'll buy carpets. It wouldn't cost that much for you." Oh, and and I told him, "I said, these are new carpets. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got 135 kids eating lunch every day on this building." <laughs> yeah. But 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 you know, we get used to looking at things, <laughs> and and a fresh perspective is yeah. often invaluable. It, it is, and it's n it's not where you're trying to turn the church into some cookie-cutter program uh, where it all has to look the same like a McDonald's or something. But, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, and also, you, uh, we've been asked to look at their books, uh, talk to all the staff people, talk to the board, uh, make some recommendations. Uh, we're asked, uh, is there anybody you don't want me to talk to? <laughs> is there somebody you do want me yeah. to talk to? I mean, you know, so it's been, it's been fun. We get a calling to be a pastor, and, and we think all the great stuff, you know, people are going to listen to us, and people are going to get saved, and we're going to have an impact in their lives. And, and we don't usually think about all the difficulties yeah. that we're going to face. And I think having veteran pastors to be able to navigate through that is, is important. i got about a 1,000 questions. Let me remind the audience that we will be happy to take any questions, Bible questions. If you have questions for Pastor Bob, anything and everything is on the table. Uh, but, but until people call Bob, um, one, one of the things you talked about small churches uh, the challenges for small churches are are unique. Yes. Uh, often pastors are working jobs, yes. supporting families. Right. Um, um, often trying to do it without a lot of help yeah. from people in the church. Talk about some of your experiences helping pastors of small churches. You know, there's the the real challenge is all of the perspective that gets diffused in over time where you think, I should be farther farther along by now. 
it should look different than it does now. I mean, when, I, when we were over in the UK, I don't know how many pastors that would sit down with me, and they didn't even know others had said this, but they'd sit down with me and they would say, uh, tell me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I've been here 15 years, and I'm back to where I started. And the people that I was trying to work with and raise up, they just move away. And and others get upset or get mad at my wife and, and they leave. And, and I'm back to doing everything myself. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. You're here. And you, you just say, look, brother, um, let's let's just kind of back up and let, let's let's ask why you came here in the first place. Yeah. You know, why? What was on your heart when you came here? Why here? And just walk them through the beginning stages. And usually there is a point where he got so upset over something that happened that he just shut down. Yeah. And or or the wife just said, "Hey, I'm done. I'm moving back." <laughs> you know. And um, yeah, challenging times. But who are you going to talk to about that? You know. Hey. You're supposed to be a man of God, you know. Don't you don't have those kinds of problems, you know, if you're called. And, and you know, that's that's one yeah. of the places Jeannie can help a lot because yep. wives need to understand. And and I think as pastors, we sometimes neglect this part of our responsibility. They need to say we're partners in this. Jesus sent us. Yeah. Only He can call us back, and and we can't get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And you know, usually, if she's like. I'm done with this, then, you know, I can say, okay, well, let's just pray together and let's kind of regroup. And there have been times where I've said, I'm done with this. <laughs> and then she goes, Bob, come on, you know, let's let, let's spend some time praying here. Just take a rest. I want to take a nap, you know, that, that might be helpful. <laughs> you know, all those years ago when we were called here, um, Jesus never told us to start a church. I knew I was called to be a pastor. Yeah. But he simply said... Um, San Antonio is where I'll be waiting for you. Uh, I was in Bible college. I knew it was going to go. We'd never been to Texas, didn't know anybody in Texas. And and so just to, to start, I, I'm not a really adventurous person. I like routine. But, but, but God kind of picked me up and took me out of that. And he said it in such a way that we knew we had no choice. Yeah. And we knew this was going to be our home base. Now, not every pastor stays at the same place yeah. they're sent. Yeah. People move. But for us, we knew it. Yeah. And and for Paul and for me, had we not known that, we wouldn't have lasted six months. Yeah. Because nothing looked the way we expected it sure. to. That's how it usually happens, yeah. really. Yeah. And, and you know, we didn't have income coming in. And uh, when you start from scratch, scratch, I mean, you don't know anybody at all. Uh, yeah. You just think, well, I must be doing something wrong. Or, Lord, if I'm not in your real, appear to me in a dream or something yeah. and show me. But but a lot of times, you know, First Corinthians four two is sort of one of my favorite verses. When we send pastors out, um, um, it is required that every man given a trust by God must prove faithful. That's right. And it's in those times of small things where we're really really yeah. tested. Success to a calling is faithfulness. Yeah. Um, and when Jesus talks about fruit in John fifteen, uh, the fruit is fruit of the spirit. It's not numbers of people, or numbers of disciples. It's, it's that fruit of the Spirit, as Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. And sometimes we, we, we get an American business model uh, too strongly involved yeah. in, in a calling. And that doesn't fly when you go to uh, some of the places on, you know, in Brazil and the Amazon. Yeah. Down, um, you just can't do that. You have to, you have to clear the board and you have to love people one soul at a time. And by the way, regarding um, our, our current age um, value that we have here in this country and in other Western countries where, where your value um, to society is based on what you can do for the society. And when you get older, you become a burden on society. But when you're a baby, you're also a burden on society. And that, that's just not how the kingdom of God works. Every soul from the, from the uh, child in the womb all the way to the one who's 105, it's a, you know, they're a soul before the Lord. And it's all a level plane. He loves everyone. And certainly in most of the world, the older you get, the more honored and revered you are. 
Yeah, and, and that just doesn't happen here in the West <laughs> yeah, at all. It's, I know. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the, the Nike commercial, just do it, doesn't apply anymore. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. supposed to get this old. I mean, <laughs> the rapture was supposed to happen, and then, but here I am. I think that's a lot of guys our age, and you're in my age category, and I yeah. feel for you because you are. Yeah, okay, but, well, let's just clear it up. I'm 70 years old, okay? For the record, there you go. I turned 70 yesterday. Well, so I'm not thank, saying anything. So thank okay. God you're older than me. Somebody is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I, I think there's, uh, I've known guys that have felt pressured to step aside, mm-hmm. even though they were still vibrant, producing fruit of the Spirit. And if you, you talked about the fruits of the Spirit a moment ago, if I remember right, perseverance is one of them. Yeah. Uh, the King James, I think, uses the word long-suffering, which yeah, means yeah. to suffer for a long time. And uh, <laughs> I, I think sometimes, yeah. Bob, um, there's there's this intense pressure to step aside, and and really God is the only one who can tell you it's time to move on. Yeah, everyone's journey is just so different and unique, and that that's um, um, that's part of what we try to discern and sort through when we talk to different pastors. Uh, you don't want to force people out. You don't want to force people in. You want to find out what the Lord is doing and join that. That's the issue. And so sometimes pastors get get off mission. Yeah. They get caught up with something else that's really not their calling or their gifting because they feel like they're supposed to or they have to to be successful. And, and they've gone off mission. And so part of our work is to say, okay, let's... Let's find out what your mission is and then your vision on how you accomplish that mission and then your specifics on how you accomplish your vision and just try to um, realign them a bit so they can be enjoying their ministry because that's what they're called to do. And, you know, this is it's, this is a fun job we have. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, and I just see too many pastors who aren't enjoying it. I think they're putting pressure on themselves. And yeah, you talked yeah. about the vision. The vision ministry never changes. Now, it widens. Yeah. It matures. Mm-hmm. But it never changes. God lives outside of time and space. And when he called you at the beginning, he gave you a path to walk. Yeah. And, and as long as you stay on that path, then it's his strength and not yours. And we have a tendency not to, to burn out. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions for Pastor Bob or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Bob, I'm, I've got a thousand. I could have you on for two, three days in a row. Um, one of the things that you talked about, your transition with your son, Jesse, in mm-hmm. Phoenix, a uh, church you founded. Yeah. Um, it's always hard to let go of something that's your baby. <laughs> and the, you love the people. You're invested yes. in the people. Yes. Uh, staying with people for a long time is one of the real benefits of the, the organization. That we are pastors yeah. for a coach. We, we don't have to transfer around or move around. We get to see... Everything, the good, the bad, we get to live with people through mm-hmm. the great times and the, the terrible times. Um, but but I'm, I'm sort of going through our own transition here. Uh, my church knows that Pastor Ken is going to take over for mm-hmm. me at some point. Yeah. And Pastor Ken is patient. He's not in a hurry. We just have no idea when that's going to be. I feel good now, and um, uh, I have no desire to slow down. Um, I love what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. that could be a week from now. It could be 10 years from now, mm-hmm. uh, as long as the Lord provides health. Um, talk about your transition, how you arrived at that place, what it was like to hand it over to your son. I'm jealous. I would like love to be able to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, talk about that transition, if you would, if you don't mind. Well, um, my son had been on staff for 17 years with me. Um, he uh, out of uh, out of Calvary Bible College, graduated, uh, came and worked on a a regular job coming back to Phoenix, and then wanted to work with the youth. So he was just a volunteer working under adults, because I wanted to see a proof of his calling. Sure. I didn't want to just uh, you know try to rescue him or something. I wanted to see the fact that he was really called and have the board see the fact that he was called. So it wouldn't just be me. And so after uh, a year or two, we brought him on part-time and then just watched. And then, um, you know, he was just uh, 
uh, had had some great giftings, you know, starting off with the youth and then winning into college and career and then became our worship leader and, and assistant pastor. And then um, I'm, I'm looking at um, some of the churches in our tribe of Calvary Chapel, and I started seeing that 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 the the senior folks that were pastoring the church was getting older and older and i start thinking what's our church going to look like in the next 10 years and i'm getting up to my late 50s and i'm thinking okay and this is just for me because mm -hmm. this was my particular journey um I, I felt like you know i i would like to have a younger guy take the church into the next generation if the Lord tarries. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Maybe if, I, I, I'm not sure. That wasn't even the main thing. I, I was concerned that the church would have uh, a younger guy taking it into the next 10, 20 years if the Lord tarries. Um, Jesse seemed like it would be, you know, an uh, Everybody knew him, and he's a good administrator, great, great teacher. Um, but the Lord had to prove it. So um, then he got called to China. <laughs> so uh, and all of a sudden, he, he and his family moved to China on the North Korean border because they wanted to reach the North Korean refugees that were sneaking across mm -hmm. the Tumen River because they had adopted a... Uh, a little girl from China and a little boy from South Korea. And uh, I'm going, okay, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> so anyway, Plan it, B. <laughs> it's a long story. Yeah. But but uh, eventually they moved back from China and uh, he, he, got, he was quite broken spiritually over there. And yet God was really preparing him, yeah. changed him. Yeah. Uh, and I could tell the difference. Yeah, that's uh, similar to Paul's Arabian wilderness yeah. experience, you know. And and uh, you can't do what we do having not been broken that's, by the Holy absolutely Spirit. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. So going with the transfer, how, how does the church react? Well, he came back and he says, you know, Dad, I don't even know if I can hear God anymore. No. And that's, that's heartbreaking yeah. for your son. And going, well... And I just really had a sense from the Lord that God was wanting him to, to take the church. But it was a board call because I can't make that call. It has to be a board decision. So I said, hey, Jess, how about, how about just taking Wednesday nights? Can, would you, you know, because you, you've been doing topicals all this time. How about taking and go through a book on Wednesday nights? He says, yeah, I guess I could do that. And so yeah, he did great Wednesday nights. And then um, I was finding out in Arizona just how many pastors were really needing help because they were most, mostly smaller churches. There was like 45 churches in Arizona at the time. Mm -hmm. And I knew all the guys. So I said, well, hey, Jess, how about, how about this? How about if you fill in for me if I happen to be gone on Sunday? And he says, well, yeah, I could do that. So that was in January. Well, so I, I wrote a letter and I sent it out to all the guys in Arizona saying, hey, if any of you need help, I'm, you know, I'm, I want to make myself available to help out. Jesse can fill in. Well, I was gone more than I was at the <laughs> church. And so the new people are going, who's the pastor, the old guy or the young guy? So the board said, you know, we have to, by the middle of the year, we have to have a definite answer. But Jesse had to hear from God that the Lord really wanted him to take it. Because if, if the Lord told him no, I was ready to just say, okay, we're not going that direction, but still we need to find a younger guy because that's really strongly on my heart. And we need to, to get out there and help out these other pastors. So, so all that was just developing. That's sort of how God gave birth to the Poimon yeah, but that was uh, Bill Holdridge over mm -hmm. in Monterey mm -hmm. uh, Bay, California, that started the work in 2007, and we joined in 2010. Great. Well, I've tuned into Jesse several times. Oh, yeah. Years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just love his teaching. I just, yeah, he's a good teacher. It, yeah. it, just, it seems as though he really connects with the people yeah. in the sanctuary. Yeah. 
And so any regrets? I mean, you've been... No, no, I just... Uh, I wish I had had my building paid off, uh, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I gave him kind of a, a mortgage. I didn't like that. <laughs> Mortgages in uncertain times. <laughs> yeah, and he's still, they're doing great. Very fine. And now you're in Aurora, Colorado. Yeah. What are you doing up there, Pastor Ed Taylor? We are serving at the church there. And uh, sometimes I fill in for Pastor Ed, but uh, mainly on Sundays I go around and my wife and I go to... If I'm not teaching at some place, we go to another church in somewhere in Colorado, attend the service, take the pastor and his wife to lunch just to get to know him, pay for the lunch, and uh, build relationships because that's how it works. That's All relationship-based. That's great. For the audience, Pastor Bob will be speaking at Calvary Chapel Solid Rock this Sunday. A good friend of mine, Pastor Troy Neely, who came out of our church, has invited Bob and Gene to be over there. So uh, he will be preaching at their services on this Sunday. That's Calvary Chapel Solid Rock in North San Antonio. We've got 30 minutes left in the week. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our program, a special edition of the show with Pastor Bob Claycamp. And I'm not going to say from Phoenix, Arizona. He is from Aurora, Colorado, and serves with Poimon Ministries, a pastor to and for pastors, which is a wonderful, wonderful need. Bob, I, again, I, I could go for, for a whole hour here, but um, a couple of things. I'd like you to talk a little bit about your time in the U.K. Okay. I mean, for somebody from the United States and God picks you up and takes you to the U.K., yeah. uh, what a whole new thing. It was. It, and it was... You know, we had turned the church over, and we were going around um, the United States helping out. Every single week we were busy. It was uh, quite an adventure. And then we got a call from a friend of ours who was pastoring in Inverness, Scotland, in 2011, saying, hey, would you ever consider coming over and filling in for me for six weeks? You can live in our house, drive our, our van, and... Uh, up in up in the highlands you on know. the right side of the street oh yeah Wait, no left side of the street <laughs> left side of the street yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my. so i'm going and then he gave us a real quick i mean we went up there uh, it was like okay let's do this you know uh, so um that was high adventure it was during the summer so um you know it wasn't freezing it was only really cold yeah i was <laughs> i've yeah. been to scotland yeah, uh, okay. and london it's cold in the summer oh, yeah and so um we came back and we thought, you know, it'd be great to go and minister, you know, uh, during the year, do a, um, some kind of uh, help of the pastors there in the UK and Europe. And then we got another call the next year to help out for two months in Exeter in the southwest part of England. And so we uh, raised money to uh, to support ourselves because that's what we've done all during the 11 years is is uh it's a donation based uh ministry and those donors their funds go to pay the transportation costs as well as now eventually to fund um just our everyday living and then also the travel expenses and whatever else is going on so we spent two months there helping out in Exeter in 2012, and then we ended up in Italy helping out, and then we ended up in Germany helping out, and and um, South Africa helping out, and <laughs> and and then coming home. And when we came home the, the fall um, of 2012, all of a sudden it was crickets. It was nothing. And nobody was asking for our help. Nobody was, except for the guy from Exeter calling, saying, please pray about coming. Please pray about moving over here. <laughs> and I'm going, I've already told you, no, we, we're not moving to England. It was never on my prayer list. And so I'm not moving to England. And so, but he kept calling. 
He kept calling. I'm going, I really think the Lord wants you over here. I'm going, I, I told you no. I, I, can I, don't, almost, I don't want you to call me. I can almost hear Jesus whispering in your ear the parable of the persistent widow. The oh, oh my gosh. Widow. <laughs> and, so, and so then, um, so we get up. It was in, in November. I get up in the morning. We fix our coffee. We're sitting in the front room in this rented house we have. And all of a sudden, there was just this sense like, you know, we're not doing anything here. I mean, we we could do this. And so I I happened to take a chance and tell my wife. I said, you know, we we could move to England. And I was waiting for the pushback. And she said, yeah, yeah, we could. And from that time, we began to pray about whether we should, I mean, you, you don't toy with them. You don't just go over there and dabble right. and come back. You know, you have to make a long-term commitment. Oh, I'm really glad you said that. Yeah, it's, it's like at least five years. And so we began to pray, and then I began to get Scripture, and then I fought with it. <laughs> I mean, because you can, you can interpret anything out of the Bible. I mean, you, yeah, yeah, you can make any application. And then... Uh, there was three or four things that just jumped out at me, and I went, "No, nah, you can read into that." And and then it was one of those times where the Holy Spirit just said, "You know, Bob, you just want confirmations because you don't want to make a choice." <laughs> so he says, "Here's what we'll do: if you decide to go, I'll be with you. If you decide to stay, I'll be with you. It's your call." As and it's kind of like checkmate. Yeah, you know. Game's over. And it was like, well, if you're going to be with us, it would be kind of cool. I mean, <laughs> I, I, and, and, then it, and then all this stuff started happening. Uh, we sold all of our furniture. And, I mean, there was one guy that come down from Prescott. And went, he, was a, he, he was head to foot rodeo man. <laughs> and he says, Hi, hey, I hear you're selling your table. How come you're selling your table, the oak, oak table and six chairs? I says, well, we're we're selling our furniture to to move to England. He says, so what are you missionaries? And I said, well, yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> and he says, what else you got for sale in here? And so so we showed him around, and he says, I'll take it all. <laughs> and he pulls out this roll of one hundred dollar bills, <laughs> no joke, and I'm. I'm thinking this is a scam. We're getting scammed, and so this is a test, Lord. Oh my gosh. I want to pass. You know, and he says, I'll, "I'll come back tomorrow with my trailer and pick it all up." So he 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 leaves, and we're looking at each other, and we're thinking, "A cowboy angel? <laughs> How is that? Or either that, or we're getting like." And we didn't know, you know. And so he came the next day, him and his uh, boys, and they they loaded up the trailer. And they're gone. We've got a stack of hundreds, and we're sitting in the living room on the floor. <laughs> All our furniture's gone. I guess we're going to I England. I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was stuff like that, just step after step after step after step. And... Uh, High adventure. It was oh, it was great. Cool. Let's take a break. You can take a phone call. We've got Midia holding on line one. Midia, thanks for calling. You're on the air. I hope I said your name right. Yes, you did. Good. You did. Um, I am a Christian, and I have been a Christian for many years. Um, I read my Bible. I've read it through and through um, two or three times, and uh, when I'm done, I read it over again and over again, and I always learn new things. Um, I, I, um, uh, have, have church that I go to, uh, I tithe, I, uh, I tithe 10%, um, but I have a brother who passed away a year ago in October, and he was not a believer, and I prayed for him for many years, and, um, when he uh, passed away. I wasn't there. I went to see him. He lives in New York, and um, he. Um, I tried to talk to him, and was unsuccessful. Um, the last words I heard from him were, "I'm a scientist. 
he um he was a doctor. Very smart. He was always um, skipped through school. He skipped grades. Went off to college at about 16 years of age. But my heart aches and breaks because I was always taught that you um, you get to heaven by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, knowing that that He died for your sins. Mm-hmm. But how could I? Tell this to my brother when he he just didn't want to hear it. And um, how do I deal with this pain? That knowing that he could be in hell, and, and even if if God did take away the pain, it's just double pain for me knowing that if he were there, and, and I don't feel sadness for him or I don't hurt. How do you deal with this? When you have a loved one that yeah. just refuse, media. That's a that's a question that we deal with a lot. Um, not just on this program, but as pastors, we deal with this constantly. You know, one of the one of the difficulties of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ, they have to they have to deal with the fact that that people they love, people that they care deeply about, um, who have already died in this life, are not going to be in heaven. And um, there there are two things I can suggest for you, and then I'll I'll ask Pastor Bob to weigh in as well. But but the first thing is is read Luke chapter 16. Uh, In Luke chapter 16, uh, the story, it's not a parable, it's a real story about uh, a a beggar named Lazarus and a rich man who died the same time. And, And they both go to different places. I mean, they're going into the abyss. One is in the place called paradise. The other is in a place where he's suffering in torment. And um, at the end of his conversation, he's calling out to Father Abraham, send, send Lazarus over to, to, to cool my tongue. And, and Father Abraham says, I can't. Uh, and this is Jesus telling the story. Father Abraham says, well, well, I can't come to you, nor can you come over here to us. The, the chasm, the, the gulch is too wide. Um, and, and what he's saying is, look, you, your, your fate is set. And his response in heaven, and this is your brother's response today, uh, if, if, if he could come back and tell people he cared about that it's true, Jesus is true, Jesus is love, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, that's what the rich man said. Well, we'll go back and tell my brothers. And of course, Jesus told him, look, even if a man were to rise from the dead, they wouldn't believe him. They had the prophets, they had the law. But, but even if a man were to rise from the dead, they wouldn't believe him. Knowing that he knows now the, the, the holiness, the justice, the goodness, and the fairness of God in torment, um, he would do anything and everything he could to warn others. Secondly, I think you've got to really immerse yourself in the goodness of God and the justice of God. Um, God loved your brother so much that he had you praying for him and sharing the truth with him constantly over and over and over. And yet of his own free will, he made a choice to reject it. And in God's justice, he couldn't override your brother's free will um, as he as he died any more than he would override his free will in life. And it's just one of those things where your comfort is going to come from Jesus himself. Jesus' heart is broken more than yours. Uh, let Jesus wrap his arm around you, take a walk with you, and, and the two of you can cry together. But the one thing you can't do, Mitty, is you can't let your grief over the choice that he made keep you from enjoying your walk with Jesus, enjoying the opportunity that God provides for you to share with other people. Bob, what do you have to, to add for Midia? Well, yeah, first of all, thank you, Midia, for, for calling in. <clears throat> Uh, it's a very difficult, difficult uh, process that uh, I'm sure you've been going through. And sometimes we think in those situations, what more could I have done? Maybe I failed. Maybe I'm not good enough. Um, but as Ron mentioned, God created your brother uh, with a free will. He's, he was created in the image of God. And science is only as good as the accurate facts you have. And if you ask a five-year-old what his science is, 
his its perspective as a five year old and and even though we can gather so many facts together and make conclusions from those facts, there's always, especially in light of the kingdom of God, there are so many factors that are not even part of the logic, not even part of the mix. And some of it is has to be seen as God knows all things. He knows the heart. He knows the thoughts. He knows the motives. He knows the history. He knows the pain, and he knows the future. And as Ron said, it's important at this point you say, Lord, I did what I could. Kind of like Mary when she poured the ointment on Jesus. Jesus said, don't bother her. She has done what she could. Could she have done more? Always. That's true for everybody. But you, you did what you could, and that's acceptable to the Lord. And the rest of it is deferred to God's justice, his compassion, his care, but his truth. And and then you ask the Lord to bring comfort to your heart and let him, let the Lord be that final judge. Midia, just two more issues here very quickly. You, you, if you've listened to this program for any length of time, you've heard me say, over and over. Life is so simple. We make it so difficult. But just be with Jesus. If you're with Jesus, the Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And when you're with Jesus, even though there are things that you grieve over, things that you're sad about, his overwhelming joy will rest upon you and come from within you. And then Nehemiah adds that the joy of the Lord is his strength. And so you can take this weakness and turn it into a strength. And and the one thing that I would hope, and this is what your brother would be saying to you now, that this would motivate you to tell people about Jesus everywhere you go. When Paul and I go to restaurants, we're telling people about Jesus. We'll talk to total strangers. Uh, just butt in, ask them what they're having for breakfast or whatever it is, and, and, and we'll just say, look, look Jesus loves you. They'll, they'll ask us, well, so how long have you guys been together? We'll tell them, well, how'd you do it? And we can tell them, oh, it's just Jesus. So let this grief be turned into passion. And I'm not speaking to you from theory here because my mother, who I don't believe is in heaven, uh, she died just before I got saved. Um, um, my heart grieves repeatedly. I have two sons. One of them is unsaved. Nicest kid in the whole world, but he's unsaved. So I understand your pain, and I understand that fear. But eventually we've got to rest not only in the fairness and the goodness of God, but in the presence of the Lord. Just be with Jesus, and his joy will overcome your sadness. And then people will see that you have a joy that maybe is difficult to understand, but it's inescapably true that you've been with Jesus. Midia, thank you for calling. I appreciate it very, very much. And I will personally be praying for you uh, throughout the week. Thank you for the call. 340-9585. I don't even know where we are in the time frame. About 10 minutes, about 8 minutes left. Um, those are heartbreaking things. Absolutely. We live yeah. in a Catholic community here, Bob. Mm-hmm. And uh, people get saved all the time. Catholics are easy. The Spirit starts moving, they start seeking, and Jesus just sort of jumps all over them. But one of the things they have to deal with right away is that my Catholic mom, who I love with all of my heart, is not in heaven or is not going to heaven. And um, it's just, Jesus is the only answer for that. Yeah. And, And there's, because we haven't, all the information, all that has gone on in the private place. Uh, at the end of the day, the Lord always makes the right call. Yeah. A- absolutely. And th- we don't have all the information. But still, it's God is not a doting grandfather up in heaven going, oh, shucks, anyway, you know, you come, come on. on. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's just not that way. He's, mm. He is a righteous, perfect judge and Savior. Uh, um, Yeah. My mother, who is a wonderful person, Paula's best friend, um, I don't think she's there. My dad, who is a jerk. I was my dad's son. 
uh, got saved on his deathbed mm-hmm. hours before he went to be with Jesus. Wow. And, you know, we can't reconcile that. It makes no sense to us. Yeah. But in heaven, um, God simply honors the choice that we make in life. He honors that choice in death. He does. And as long as we have breath, there's still time. There's still hope. Yes, that's that's what you do. I mean, that's all you can do. Okay, well, we're getting a little bit close on time here, Bob. What I'd like you to talk about, you mentioned in the first half of the program about Jeannie and, and her perspective, the perspective she offers to you in ministry. Would you talk briefly about um, the partnership between a pastor and his wife, um, not only at home, but, but also their ministry in the church, and how you use that to minister to, to pastors that you are, are able to, to be sent to? Well, uh, sometimes a pastor's wife feels like she has to fulfill a certain role because that's what's expected of her. And I think that becomes a little unfair and it can be actually a bit bit oppressive because maybe she's not operating in her main calling. Maybe she's not operating with her gifting because she's got to fill this role. But yet uh, the, the goal is to find out what's happening in her life and and because that's going to be um, a huge um, synergy with her and her husband if 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 you're both operating in your giftings and she may not be even running the women's ministry because her gifting is more with the children or her gifting is more with um, like specially uh, specializing in hospice care and and working there and and taking that particular aspect of the ministry. And and so it's just like, let's just, let's back off and let's find out how what God is doing with you as a couple because you're a team mm-hmm. and let's let that team function. Let's let that team um, be fruitful. You know, the people that we send out to start churches, I, I let them know your, your wife, because she's the pastor's wife, isn't the children's ministry. Exactly. Leader. Yeah. She's not she's necessarily, as you said, the, she's your wife. Yeah. And I insist, and I don't know how many of them actually listen to me, but, but I insist that um, your wife needs to be in the sanctuary where you're teaching. I agree. She needs to be I, there. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, we've run into situations where the wife actually goes to another church. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, brother, you know, we need to rethink what's yeah. happening here. You're not managing your household <laughs> well here, for sure. Yeah, because she got super offended, and it just came to the point where she was done, and she didn't want to be around the, the ladies anymore. And, I, I mean, it just takes your breath away. And, but, but you go, okay, that must have really hurt. We're not ignoring what has happened and how painful it is. But how you deal with it, you've, you've got to pull back a bit. Um, mm. yeah, I, awkward. I, yeah, I, th- I thought it was bad. You know, I, I have some of the guys whose, whose wives don't go to multiple services. Um, you know, it's just, yeah. well, well, I go to church and then I go home. And, but, but, but the people in second service don't know you were there first service. Yeah. And the people in third service, if you have one, don't know that you were there in first or second yeah. service. Other than you have a wedding ring on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you've got to be there. To minister to the people because that's where ministry happens. It yeah, happens where true. people are. And, yeah. and I think that partnership is is really, really important. Well, now we're inside three minutes. So why don't you kind of focus on what you have to share? Uh, maybe a little bit of what you're going to share Sunday. Whatever's on your heart. Okay. This Sunday we're talking about uh, delayed for greater glory. And the text is out of Mark chapter 5 with Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. His daughter was dying. And he goes to Jesus, which was a huge step for him to do publicly. Um, and then Jesus finally shows up. He's desperate. His daughter is dying. And then the crowd is thronging Jesus. And then the woman with the issue of blood, with a hemorrhage for 12 years, uh, shows up and delays him. And I'm sure he was running ahead of the crowd, trying to get Jesus to come, you know, leading him to his house. And then... I mean, and and just to think through what Jairus naturally may have gone through, being upset at the crowd, um, even though she got miraculously healed, 
and, and how we, in our desperation, how many times we can just be annoyed that other people, Jesus answers their prayers, but he's not answering ours. And, and then the, the greatest thing happens in desperation, it, something dies. And, and for that family, it was the entire hope and dream. It was their only daughter. She was gone. Their hopes were gone. Their dreams were gone. Their future was gone. And that's when Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. And that's the moment where Jairus, his faith had to be taken to a whole nother level that he hadn't anticipated. And so bringing that over to our lives, because we all face desperate times, sometimes the, the greatest desperation. And it's at those moments where Jesus still says, do not be afraid, only believe, because he's not done. Because there was a greater glory in the delay than there would have been for him just to heal his daughter. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Pastor Bob Clay Camp will be speaking this Sunday at Calvary Chapel of Solid Rock. Tonight here at Calvary Chapel, it is graduate night. They'll be speaking to the body at 7 o'clock. A reminder, Monday is a national holiday. It's Memorial Day. Have a safe holiday. We will be doing a rebroadcast. And please pray for the families of the fallen, those who have paid the ultimate price uh, in service for our country. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful week serving Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll see you on Monday, on Tuesday, actually, Lord willing. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Calvary.